0: This two-part episode of Conversations from the Classroom features English teacher Niall Daly. The second part of the conversation focuses on motivating students to write, the importance of modelling the writing process, the role of feedback and the use of digital technology to support editing. What about then when it comes to motivating your students to write in your classroom? How does that work for you?
1: I always found that one of the toughest things to give a student is a blank page. It is terrifying and it is terrifying for adults. Someone needs to give you a little system to help you. out. So for writing, what I've found is that little and often is the best approach if I was to give students a task, and I've been trying it a lot recently. There's a series of things you can do called the 200 word challenge. Fridays is for writing. Now, we don't stick rigidly to that as a calendar, but we took the kind of core idea that 200 words is not a huge amount. When you model it as a teacher, it's very easy to do in a 40 minute or an hour long lesson. It's easy to give precise criteria and something very specific to focus on. So, even the other day, a task I gave my students creative writing. They had 10 minutes to do 200 words, which for some of them is a bit of a stretch and a challenge. And for others, it's a challenge because they have to edit themselves down. So you are hitting that nice range. And it's not something where if a kid's written three lines, they don't feel like they haven't achieved because they get a lot of words in those three lines. We give them very specific things to look for. So we agree on it beforehand and I model something. So the task yesterday and last week was they had to include a song lyric i didn't mind what the song was as long as there's no cursing and then they had to include a simile i had to give me a comparison some kind of ping that they could describe how they were feeling and then you can pick a whole bunch of other things that you're targeting that week you could say you've got to make sure you're using a semicolon you've got to make sure that you're checking your full stops and you give them those 10 minutes to write and they, they have their success criteria and it's ready to go They write for the 10 minutes and then they swap their writing with someone else. And the other student knows what to look for. Pick out those things, give the student a mark out of five, tell them something you really liked about the story or what you want to know next, and then give them one target to work on. So when the kids get their bit of feedback, they've got this little micro piece of writing. They see what they've done well in a very short space of time and they've reflected. For the kids who don't always feel the motivation, a lot of times they score quite highly because it's such a confined piece and they very definitive tick, tick, tick. They're like, wow, I got four out of five. I feel good, I feel better about this now. Oh you know, can we do this again? If you engineer it correctly and you think about it cleverly with the students, you can make it that none of them experience any kind of failure. It's that they get some kind of learning from it. And you get some really nice self-contained little stories. And you can do a mixture of fiction and non-fiction. You can inspire them with a stimulus. There was a question where the third years got asked to write a brochure about Ireland. And it was a page long for the space of writing. And they had three images. And so they were used to writing to a stimulus and writing in a short, confined space. The brochure needs this and this. Mm. They go, they write, they get creative, and they get inspired by that. Just from
0: what you've said there, I'm thinking of, of two other questions for you around that process. The first one is... You mentioned the writing, their little 200-word piece. Now, if you're going to extend that out into an extended piece of writing, where do you take that initial activity to extend it into something
1: more? So we looked at it as, someone described it before, as if this is similar to the first training sessions to a couch to 5K, except with writing. And so you're not trying to get them to do the big thing first, trying to get them to do the micro thing. Uh, you can do some really lovely planning where you identify very specific points of an essay that you're going to do and say, okay, at section and we've all done the, the kind of planning grids, the introductions, the point A, point B, point C. So if you take it on a very small level, you can find ways of getting the students to work, working on identifying what each paragraph in a larger answer should say. And I think if you give kids that kind of roadmap, It doesn't have to be overly prescriptive, but if you give them that little guide and say, if the question asks for something to do with the climax of a scene in something, or if it asks you to focus specifically on a character, okay, show me how this paragraph indicates to me that is about a character. You can get them to write that in the margins, just on the the left-hand side. And you can encourage them to prep their little blocks and think, well, can I arrange that paragraph? And so sometimes we use technology to actually give them a chance to move that around with more ease. It's very hard to move a paragraph you've written on a page from space to space. But if you write it in something like a Google Doc, it's a copy and paste. It's a move it around, structure it in that way, and then find ways of connecting the points. And we found for editing work, using technology like that has actually been great for students when they're in the drafting phases, especially when it comes to things like CBAs, because kid writes out a speech and you say I love it but I wish the second paragraph was the conclusion and the conclusion one was the middle one and they will look at you and say I am not rewriting that and you say no but if you copy and paste it you can just move it there yes I will do that and I think finding ways of of making things like the technology work for us in English that's how we can use that to build up from the micro writing practice then to the larger stuff because it is you know yourself if we If you ever wrote something really long and you're like, you don't want to do the arrows down the sides and you can't do that anymore. You can model an answer and give it to the kids in different parts and say, assemble that for me.
0: Well, this was my other question. Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned modeling a couple of times now. How do you model? I think it's so important for students to see the teacher modeling before they send students off to write something themselves. How do you model for the students?
1: I fortunate we're an iPad school, so we do use my iPad as a visualizer. And what I do is I make sure I'm in a position where when I'm modeling that I can see all the students so that they're looking at me modeling. Maybe I'm casting to a board. I can see them, but they're not watching me at a desk. They're watching my writing up on a screen somewhere. And what I do is I start jotting down and outlining my thoughts and I say out loud what I am thinking, um, because saying out loud what I'm thinking. Helps the students to, to hear and understand my process in my head. With a sample of that micro writing we did the other day, the 200 words, I started off and I said, I went with a simile to open. Uh, the weather was very changeable that day. It was jumping between, God knows how warm it was, and, and then also how lashing it was. But that I, as drenched as a drowned rat, uh, I said to the kids, as I am actually feeling this now, having come in for break duty, soaked. And I wrote that on the page and then I talked out loud. I, said, I don't know if I'm happy with that one. And I crossed out bits and I wrote down jotted new ideas and things. I showed them a couple of options I had. And then when I wrote a bit more, I went back and read it again. Is that vocab word good anymore? Does it work? And the students were actually able to give me suggestions and comments. And one said that I shouldn't compare myself to a rat, which I thought was really nice. So just say that you, you feel drowned like a bucket has been thrown over you. And suddenly the whole sentence changed. I said, that's cool. I'll take that. That's a really nice one. And as we get through it, modeling out and then going back over and, and letting them see me stop and pause for a second. Sometimes I think students, in my own experience, they equate continuously writing as being the de facto sign of being a good student. Whereas I've often found that if you pause, I've seen students who pause. And read they sometimes have the real thought process going on. they stop they, they hold themselves back from just scribbling for the sake of it and they're watching it and modeling that to the students I found that's had an impact on a few of them where I see that maybe for that 10 minutes they're only writing for maybe seven and they're spending three reading back over it in and it's having a really noticeable effect in the room when I'm modeling that and they like seeing it they like seeing the teacher answer they love seeing that stuff So just to go
0: to that, when students submit work and you provide feedback to them, how do the students act on the feedback?
1: We've been using some methods of whole class feedback in the last kind of while. I found that exceptionally effective. Taking an idea of two examples of two very specific things from homework so i read through all their homework i don't necessarily mark it up completely anymore i make notes as i go of common errors and things i find and i make notes of really good things we call them polaroid moments or little snapshots so we give them that feedback sheet in the next lesson they have a green pen they can write in about what feedback i give and i model that feedback live this is what i liked this is what was good this is what was an example of real high excellent work and then asking suggestions from the crowd about what can for the class rather what can be done to improve again building that getting them to build into giving feedback and seeing me receive it in a gracious way which then helps them see that feedback's not personal it's to help move you forward and that models that but so they don't feel like they're being picked on they feel like they're actually getting guidance of where to go next it's been a way more effective way of giving feedback that if you're one student and you did that assignment and you can see what happened with 30 other students what worked for the 30 collective you get so much more feedback that you can take on board because i might highlight something that a student has done really well and the student who sat there and they've aced their own piece of work but they didn't include this thing they go oh man next time i'm going to do that That sounds really cool. Look at the work he praised. He praised this particular aspect of that. He really liked the way that student built in alliteration into the writing. Okay, next time I'm going to try that. And that also motivates them It spurs them on. It gives them a little bit of a challenge and it keeps them from staying in a position where they go, I'm in my comfort zone. I'm happy. That'll do. This will get me through.
0: What do they do with that feedback then? How soon will they act on that feedback, for example?
1: That would often be, I would be expecting them to act on it there and then to evidence something. I think there is, if you go through the the whole thing of giving them feedback and getting them to write that down, you have to give them some kind of task and a chance to work on it. It's making sure that they're acting on something and evidencing that. And sometimes I do get them to hand an assignment back in. And the first round is a bit of formative feedback. And then go, now you've gotten the feedback about what you did right. Can you give me something? to show me that you've improved it. So we give them one where take like a, a, a typical kind of 10 mark question and out of an assessment, model an answer for that, get them to do it, give them a class feedback about what's worked And they go, right, now go change it based off the feedback. And then I'll give you a mark and let you know how you did and see how you got on.
0: Okay. So you spoke then earlier about the importance of digital technology for you when it comes to, for example, editing work or how that really supports you to move a paragraph from one part of the page to another, and you also mentioned um, recording speeches and so on. From that point of view then, could you tell us about the use of digital technology in your classroom?
1: So we use, we're using the iPads and we're using a lot of different apps from Google of G Suite and a lot of the inbuilt apps that are on the iPads as well. We're using them to foster a lot of creative moments with classes. There's a lot of really high powered functioning recording stuff on an iPad. And I'm aware not every school would have something like that. But phones have recording features. And then there's a website, Vocaroo, which is good. It's an inbuilt-in browser one that's really popular as well for short little snippets. I think recording is something that is really useful way of using digital technology in, uh, in an English classroom because it allows us to actually listen back to what we've said, the way we've delivered it, the way we've actually come across versus what we might think we've we sounded like. So, the technology is never the sole driver of what we're doing, but it's there to help ensure that uh, what we have achieved. We found it really fun that the kids get really creative. They're so much more inventive than we can sometimes imagine with the equipment we give them. They take voice notes, they import them into GarageBand, and they change the pitch so that they sound much deeper voiced. And then they're still delivering, and you're still hearing the content. And they just feel like maybe oh, my voice isn't as squeaky as I thought. You could have students working on presenting the weather and someone did like the gossip of column of the day and the school news and they could write a report on that. They each work in their groups and then they piece it together. If you design it with the English task in mind first, and then the production of the technology second, you can find a way. The kids get really into it and then they've done all the English writing and the core bit and you've got that tangible thing yourself. And then they've got another thing and it's really lovely to- be able to like send a little snippet of a radio show home to the parents and say here's what we did in English today and they can hear their kid in amongst all the others and even little audio notes off, off their phones like these little things make such a huge difference and it's really great as well going back to the point about the AL students about how it can help them with pronunciation and speaking in a very quick manner because it's feedback it you record yourself you listen back to it, it it's You're getting feedback of what you sound like in your your clarity. That's
0: a lovely, positive way to finish. Thank you very much today for providing us with insights into your context, into your classroom, into your own teaching experience.
1: Thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. To find out more and to sign up to our mailing list, please visit jct.ie forward slash English. You can also follow us on Twitter for all the latest news and supports at JCT English.